Welcome to the Lighthouse Experiment, a Freedom Center Church podcast. Awesome. <laughs> Okie doke. Well, welcome back to the Lighthouse Experiment podcast. This week, we're so grateful to have Dina Kale from Cop Shrink on Instagram with us all the way from California. So thank you so much for being here. And then as well as Chaplain Jim Parkin and myself, Ashley Pleasure Chandler. So welcome back. Thanks. Thanks for having me. Yeah. Thank you for joining Absolutely. us. Yeah. The it's wonderful wild. power of Zoom. I love That's this. That's right. So much. Zoom and Pretty finally cool. Instagram working in my favor. I've been able to connect with some with you guys out, you know, on the West Coast, just yeah. by in the DMs and, and all that stuff. So. so isn't it great? The power of social media has really connected us in a way that we probably didn't ever anticipate social media connecting us. You know? right. Absolutely. Right. Yeah, and you some can of... sift through the kind of the muck of it all and use totally. it for as a superpower. It really yeah. can. It is a really good connection. Yeah. 100%. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, and some of what we what Jim and talked about with Overwatch last week was just that it, it can be very easily um, easy to kind of perceive that you're alone doing the thing. And so even for our community and for even the Lighthouse Experiment to see and partner with other organizations and people that are doing some phenomenal things around the country is both very inspiring, encouraging, and just to be able to network and see what other folks are doing is just it's been really good for my heart and it's just been really good for, for what we're doing here in, in mm-hmm. Michigan. So yeah. That's awesome. So um, Dina, go ahead and just give a little introduction of yourself and what you do. A little background. All right. So a little background. So I am a California licensed clinician and my work is primarily centered around first responders And I do three different types. So there's like three different buckets of uh, work that I do. One is critical incident stress management. Okay. So I respond um, following major major mass mass casualties, um, line of duty death, gnarly baby deaths, you know, horrible TCs, school shootings, all those horrible things that really shake up first responders. So I go in after to provide that stress management following incidents like that, debriefings, things like that. Um, I do quite a bit of teaching. I am a post instructor for Peace Officer Standards of Training, and I teach the topics of, you know, psychology related stuff. Um, But at the academy level, I teach things like lethal force encounters, um, victimology, um, persons with disabilities, which is primarily mental health. We used to just call that the 5150 class, but mm-hmm. now it's a little more PC to call it persons with disabilities, um, which uh, that class in particular um, for post used to only be an eight hour course. And now it's 15 hours, which I think is really great as yeah. we yeah. definitely need that time to spend on that. Um, and basic peer support training, um, m- different types of trainings that departments might want fire service, um, police, all of that. And I see clients. So, but nine out of 10 of the clients I see are first responders or their family members. Mm. Yeah. That's cool. Yeah. I love it. It's a lot of fun. So we don't, so it's interesting. I switched, I've been a paramedic for, I think it'll be coming up on 19 years 18 of which was with one agency. And then just last summer, last May, I switched companies to, uh, we have, you know, it's wild, kind of the wild west. It's like the seventies here still where there's multiple private agencies competing over calls and territory and all that stuff. So I was with one agency. And for me, a lot of the reason for switching, which I didn't really know, I wasn't looking at it like this was definitely mental health related it was you know post-traumatic injury and kind of like the long grindy like specifically COVID over the COVID years it was you know kind of a military reference it was like every day it was like being on deployment and every day was Monday and every day you'd go in and 
temperature, but everybody had 97.1 as a temperature and every, you know, it's just the grind of it all. Brutal. And, uh, a kind of an agency that wasn't, was ill-prepared, you know, and rightly so this has never been really a thing. Yeah. And, uh, so it, it was affecting people's job performance, like, and with that specifically, you run a medical call for service and you have to write a report. You have to, you know, that report is how you get reimbursed. And it's all very, all important things. Right. Mm -hmm. But it was causing people to get burned out enough so that we weren't doing reports. And then I'm Mm -hmm. backed up on charting and I don't want to do that. And I don't want to get it held over. So, you know, I would talk to our supervision and, and also probably having some, some stressors of their own would say, you know, shut up, run your calls. Mm-hmm. You do your job. Let me do mine. And then mm-hmm. switched agencies to an agency who's, who wants to be the first to have really like a, there we're creating a mental health task force and putting things in place, which is really phenomenal to see. Yeah. Very, very, that's trend setting. <laughs> right. But we're also like, everybody wants to kind of have, their own custom, what it is we're going to do. So we're kind of in in that, <laughs> that, that kind of predicament of how do we want this to look, you know, and people still, it's, it's interesting to try to explain to our top brass that like, nobody wants you guys to know. So for you guys to try to say, you want to be directly involved in it, no one's ever going to tell you. Mm, yeah. Which is but- the, you know, that's the point. No one, they need to know. But for a culture shift, you're going to need their buy-in, right. you know, the culture shifts work from the top down. Yeah. They have to be directing this culture shift and being, you know, representing this new movement that's happening. Right. You know? Yeah. What was pretty cool is a few episodes back, we had a guy who's going to be the, he's the assistant vice president of the company. He's going to be the vice president. And he came on the show and talked about, his struggles with depression yeah. and mental health. Yeah. And so I, th- I mean, I thought that was yeah. huge, right. To have like that the top guy the big say, listen, Absolutely. I'm human and this is what I struggle with, but yep. yeah. So it's, that's how it's done. So that's how did you, normalize. um, what would you say is the biggest from, from your perspective, looking at us as a, as a, culture or first responder community are we all pretty similar in the way that we try to answer how we think you want to hear us answer (laughs) uh well well, wait maybe i don't understand the question um are you all similar in what do do we all pretty much so like if i was sent to you Mm -hmm. and i really don't i don't know that that you know the first responder culture Mm-hmm. I'm going to attempt to give you the answers that I think you want to hear. Oh, got it. Got it. I mean, and the first thing in my position, I'm not, I'm not um, a barrier for anybody returning to work. I don't do fitness for duty evaluations. Um, that's just not our jam at all. Um, and so anybody that comes to me, once in a while, people will get sent, you know, on what's what we like to call a supervisor referral or, okay. you know, a mandated mm-hmm. neck yeah. up, a checkup from the neck up, you know, go see. And yeah, there are times when they're, you know, crossing their arms, like, why am I here? And, you know, I don't want to be here. And I, I can understand that. I can respect that. No one wants to be told what to do. I get right. it. But then I, you know, my, my goal initially is build rapport. You know, so tell me why you're here. Um, no, or, and and I usually will talk about who I am so they know they can trust me. You know, this is who I am. This is what I do. These are my limits of confidentiality. Um, you are my population that I serve. Um, you know, that usually breaks down that wall. Um, you know, you got to get them to like you, to talk to you. you Right. Absolutely. (laughs) Yeah. So it's like, as a culture, um, do you work with, do you talk mm-hmm. to medical too, yes. or is it just, okay. So mm-hmm. yeah. I would, I'm interested in kind of hearing about the, comp- like the comparison. I listened to a show, one of the iron sights episodes yeah. and he had a dude that was, had worked 27 years or something in like 
max security prisons in in the California system. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And he said something that kind of resonated with me because it's kind of how it goes for medical. It is just, it's just the constant kind of slow burn grind. And it's not necessarily like the, the horrible, you know, like traumas or mass casualties, you know, it's, it's what's, what can be concerning to people is that like, it is nothing for me to go to a house and there's a full cardiac arrest and run that code and leave that code and get the time of death and bounce onto the next mm-hmm. call. Sure. Absolutely. You know? Or maybe even stop for a cheeseburger in the between calls, right? Yeah, more of a burrito guy, but yeah, <laughs> exactly right. He has right. specifically like, referenced that on many occasions. <laughs> yes. Oh yeah. Yeah. But it's so, right. right. So that seems like for me, not so much like the high stress stuff, mm-hmm. but just mm-hmm. the day to day, you know, 18 years, 19 slow, years in the hundreds drip. of times I've been on, mm-hmm. you know, this call. Mm-hmm. And now mm-hmm. to me, that's not traumatic. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's, it's no big deal, mm-hmm. you know? And so th- thankfully you, you do develop that callus, but right. it does get a little concerning, right? You're like, Oh, I don't feel anything. Right. Yeah. Like where's right. that balance between being able to, yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, the test, the test becomes, am I, am I numb? So do I, okay, this, maybe this call doesn't bother me at all, but does anything bother me anymore? Like, and I don't mean even the negative, like, can I smile? Can I have moments right. of joy? Can I laugh? Yeah. Can I be like, am I doing this? Am I just kind of doing the same line through life or do I, Mm -hmm. am I experiencing the highs and lows? Right. Because that numbness is, is an indicator that you've just shut down completely and you're numb and, and you don't get to pick and choose what you numb. You end up numbing everything. You can't just numb bad stuff. You also numb the good stuff. Yeah. Yeah. And so, yeah, there's, so there's, there's different, um, agencies even you know different cities and different areas of 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 air of towns or whatnot that have high exposure to traumatic incidents um and same with same within corrections so my brother is a corrections officer and um i know i know a thing or two about um corrections uh because my my dad was a vietnam veteran and in and out of prison his whole life and um, <clears throat> I have done some teaching for um, the California Department of Corrections. Um, and so there's also that kind of grind um, and that exposure yeah. of, of constant secondary traumatic stress. <clears throat> so maybe yes. you're not in it and exposed to it, but you hear the stories, you know, the backstory of that guy or this person or that person. Um, and there's other elements of that job that really wear you down. Um, and, and burnout is a slow burn. Burnout happens when, you know, you're the frog in the pot and the Mm -hmm. oven gets turned on and it starts to boil and you don't even know it's boiling. You know, that's burnout. Whereas, you know, vicarious trauma or secondary traumatic stress or post-traumatic stress, that's the big stuff. That's like being thrown into that pot of water. Right. So like we had a guest on a few weeks back and she had an incident a year ago and she's still having um, like anxiety kind of moments, sleeplessness. Like there's, there's health related symptoms happening in her body that yeah. she knows is correlating with an incident that she's still processing through. Yeah. So what are some other indicators then of either burnout or other things that could, I Cause I think some of the stuff that we discuss sometimes are there's folks, I think it's easy for a lot of us in a lot of ways, but also to be like, I'm good. I'm good. I don't need help. I don't need help. I'm not, you know, mm-hmm. are there any other things that you can point out so that if somebody's, you know, for example, saying, Hey, I'm good. But then to actually put it in black and white like that, I'm like, Oh, maybe I'm not, maybe I do need to check out getting in touch with somebody. Right, 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 right. Um, and so, so it sounds like you're asking for like, how would somebody know if they're not doing well? Yes. Got it. Uh, you know, and that takes a lot of awareness and insight. It takes yeah. a lot of 
being willing to listen to your loved ones that are saying, mm-hmm. yeah, you kind of turned into a jerk and hearing that, you know, um, I say it's the IIIs initially. So the IIIs is isolation, impatience, and irritability. Those are okay. big ones. Okay. So if you're saying III, that's those are probably pretty big red flags. Um, exhaustion is is the number one symptom of burnout. If you go to bed tired and you wake up tired, that's a huge red flag for burnout. Um, I really like the assessment. It's called ProQual. It's Pro, P-R-O, and then Q-O-L, the Professional Quality of Life um, Assessment. And it breaks it down. So there's 30 questions, um, but then you look at those answers in three different categories. And the first one is compassion, uh, compassion satisfaction. And this, this instrument is only for helpers. So people, you know, social workers, healthcare workers, paramedics, <laughs> law enforcement, fire, all, you know, therapists. Um, so it looks at the compassion satisfaction. How satisfied are you with the work that you're doing? Uh, and for me, my compassion satisfaction has always been really, really high. But okay. then there's the burnout instrument and it looks at your risk for burnout. And there was a period of time where I was off the charts. I was high risk for burnout while I was in it. But it helps you to identify, oof, okay, and it and asks these very specific questions that targets, um, you know, things that are happening. So it would be the, the fatigue, the exhaustion, okay. the, right? Um, and then the third thing it looks at is the secondary traumatic stress. Okay. So does my heart rate, heart race fast when I pass? Uh, an intersection that I worked a call in, or, you know, do I cringe at the, the sound of a helicopter or, you know, like, like it sounds like the person that shared that they're still having those symptoms. If those don't clear up in about 30 days following an incident, they're not going to on their own. They're, they're right. They will not go away because your nervous system thinks it needs to remember them to keep you safe, to keep yeah. you alive. Yeah. Those are survival Mm -hmm. responses. Your body doesn't know the difference between a real need for a survival response and an imagined survival response. So it doesn't know the difference between past and present. So, I mean, think about a pickle. Like right now I can ask you to think about a pickle, talk about a pickle, the crispy, the green, the juice, right? And then your mouth will start to water, but there's no pickle here. Because your body doesn't know the difference between a pickle that you're in front of, that's right in front of your face, or one that you're imagining. Mm. Isn't that wild? Yes. yes. (laughs) The human body and experience is amazing. It's crazy. But like, you know, something that that as (laughs) our program here, we're going to be shifting into in the new year, something I've been thinking about for quite a while, but framing it as mental fitness. Absolutely. Oh, I love, you know, that. And, and working, working on yeah. the front side, mm-hmm. giving people tools mm-hmm. on, you know, I was talking to a guy today, still, you can do all the CrossFit and still break your leg. Mm-hmm. So the need for therapy and the need for treatment and all those things will always be yeah. like, I don't imagine that I can fix everybody by giving them a few tools, but mm-hmm. just the idea of being prepared I mean, because we're really good at that. We're good at that. I was in the fire service for a long time. We'll drill all shift long. Mm-hmm. We'll lift weights. We'll do all this stuff, but we're never, ever, it's not even a talking point right? to work on our, our, our mental. Right. Just and as your well. brain is, your brain is a muscle too. Your mm-hmm. mental fitness is just as important as your physical fitness. And I would venture to say it's more important. I would yeah, agree. I would agree. Right. Because isn't everything, isn't everything in (laughs) fitness, it's a mental game anyway. Yeah. Right. And and you're faced with things that you have to overcome to push heavier weight or run up that hill or, you know, whatever. But, and so when you train your mind, you're training it for the preparation, the challenges ahead. Yeah. You know, Mm -hmm. we're training for a marathon and the marathon is life. Yeah. Right. And then at the core of it, really believing I have people that care about me. I'm going to be able to get through this. I can, I can figure this out, you know? Mm -hmm. And so when you hit, when you hit walls and you don't think that there's any other thing out there that I can do, or I don't have it in myself Mm -hmm. because I feel that stuck. I mean, that's, Mm -hmm. 
mm-hmm. it's not where we want our people to be. Right. No, because that is that's a recipe for suicide. Help being helpless or feeling helpless and feeling hopeless, uh, helpless that, you know, there's no help available to me. There's no resources available. Nobody can help me. And hopeless. I don't believe that anything can get any better. I'm always going to feel this way. Right. Right. That's the last place we want someone to be. But if you look at our population, they're always the helpers. So how Mm -hmm. does the helper ask for help? Right. That's the million dollar question. That's the million dollar question we've been. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Exactly right. It's it's very interesting too, because it, even though so many groups and so many podcasts and so many people are talking about this, you know, recently I had a a call that I talked about on last week's show, but like it really, I mean, that messed me up because I'm looking at a dude who's like a life slipping away and he's still, he's still responding to what we're saying, but all the colors gone now and all the stuff. So when I told my colleagues, I'm like, you good, bro. And I was like, no, mm. you know, and I'm the, I'm the dude that's been here longest in their minds. Mm-hmm. Like I'm OG. I've seen everything, everything I should be able to, but it was very interesting. It was almost if I gave them permission now to be like, you know, now we have everybody talking to everybody, at least in our company, we don't really do Amazing. official debriefs. You know, our, our supervisor team comes and checks in and we'll kick you home if mm. they think that needs to be the thing. But to what go process it in your bedroom by yourself? No, I mean, no. we have to, there's, there's a, there's a, that site. you know, but they, they make, we kind of all make a group determination if, you know, we're going to take the rest of the day off or mm, whatever, good. go out of, go be out of service or yeah. You know, because next call is really, that's the crippler. That's the thing that, that we all do every discipline. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. We all have Mm -hmm. this, you know, this major incident and then we don't process it. Right. Right. And that's, it's another brick in the backpack. Yeah. After 19 years, that backpack's heavy. (laughs) Right. And, And it maybe wasn't this one last brick. It was the 18, 19 years of other bricks in that backpack. So your capacity, so I call that capacity. So your capacity over time gets really small. And this is why this irritability happens because you don't have any more room for anything to go wrong. Your capacity Mm -hmm. is this big. When you go on shift, you know, let's say the first year of your career, capacity is this big. You're excited to to run those calls and see those gnarly things. And, Oh, did you see those brains? And, Oh, just check that out. Did you see that? Right. Everyone's all excited. About mm-hmm. year five, you're like, nah, man, I'm good. I don't need to go look, you know, right. I, now I don't need to go check that out. I know what it looks like. And, you know, 10 years in 15 years in, and it could be even situational seasonal, you know, this month yeah. or this week, right. Your capacity gets smaller and smaller and smaller. Mm-hmm. To handle anything else, to handle another mass casualty or to handle the right. dog pooping on the carpet, you know, whatever. You, you yeah. just don't have the capacity right. to manage that anymore. Yeah. And and that is definitely, you know, for our listeners, listen up. That was definitely a season that your boy here was in mm-hmm. with COVID and Ashley remembers mm-hmm. and people would, you know, people would, it was just people chirping on social media. And honestly, chances are they were stressed out from being on lockdowns and they're just saying words. Oh yeah. But then, you know, I'm running calls and I'm seeing Mm -hmm. like all these things happening at once for us, Mm -hmm. you know, like young, healthy Mm -hmm. nurses Mm -hmm. that I came up with in the EMS system Mm -hmm. working in COVID units and dying and and it's going so quickly. And then people are like, you know, people die every day. You're being emotional. And then my response, because now I'm in it is like, all right, Hoss, let's, why don't you come over to my driveway and I'll make that dream a reality for you. And that's not, (laughs) you know, and that's not who who I am. That's not who I want to be, but those were the things, those were the things. And we were Mm -hmm. like our whole, this show during those years, especially I would say the March to June first wave really was, Mm -hmm. it was like my way of journaling. Yeah. It was coming on, just saying what was going on. We would have shows where it was like a Seinfeld episode where we talked about nothing, <laughs> yeah, I love you know, it. but I love yeah, it. I can, I can really look back when you say 
those when you talk about burnout. I have definitely had seasons. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And, and, and kudos to you for like creating this platform as a way of therapy for yourself. Really, and look at all the other ways you've provided this platform as therapy for others. Yeah, right. You know, yeah. Pretty amazing. Wasn't even thinking of it like that when we started this. <laughs> no. Right. You're like, just like, I need to vent. Turns out, right. You know, it's been be- very beneficial. Yeah, yeah. for sure. For yeah. sure. No, it's, it's really neat because, and I think that's part of the additional pressure that was put on Jim throughout COVID because in our community, I think both in the first responder community in Genesee County where you work, mm-hmm. but also in, um, our church and faith community Mm. in our area too, he is someone that puts himself out there for conversation Mm. and he, Mm -hmm. and he doesn't hold back from any type of conversation. Like he'll, he'll talk about the politics and Mm -hmm. and the process and the, this and that. And, and he wants to have educated conversation with folks. Mm -hmm. Well, now here's a hard season where he's trying to navigate with his, his folks. Right. 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 And then everybody is like, Oh yeah. Jim is somebody that we can just Mm. hash it out with. So mm-hmm. let's just throw right. Jim right. all the crap we think about everything, you right. know? So th- there's, yeah. I think that they're in pieces and sections. It would have been different, but I, I don't, again, I think that just the nature of social media mm-hmm. is that pe- people think that they can just get on and say however they feel. These keyboard warriors. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Through all mm-hmm. the things and. Yep. Net bangers. It, and it was just a really <laughs> scary, crazy time for the mm-hmm. whole world, you know, let alone the folks that are in, in the trenches trying to just right. help one more person not die of COVID, everybody, you know. Everybody was hurting. Everybody was hurting, yeah. you know. Yeah. yeah. That was, and that's a rough thing. <clears throat> I like, we're supposed to be as humans in community with other humans. Yeah. There's supposed to be that connection. We're meant for that. Well, I'm, right. I'm extremely extroverted. And tw- when 2020 came through, I'm like, I don't <laughs> think I need anybody anymore. And I'm like, when that happened, when I started having thoughts like that, that was a self-awareness for myself. I'm like, ooh, I'm not getting to a good place right now if if my normal bubbly extrovert, you know, extroverted self mm-hmm. is like, nah, I'm good. Right, right, right. So, but. And isn't it crazy to think of, you know, I mean, this is a, a, a faith-based platform, right? It's coming from mm-hmm. a church, right? Yeah. Isn't this the grand master plan to divide and conquer? Yep. Right? Yep. To separate people, mm-hmm. to, yep. to dim the light, to, to put people away, to disconnect families and disconnect communities. And, yeah. Right? Right. Yeah. Awful. Absolutely. Yeah. So I think that's just, that was a time where your, your skill set and giftings and calling were just really put through the ringer, you know, but you know, on this side of it too, I think it was very pivotal for as a ministry and as a leader in this community to have navigated something so hard with your community to be able to come out on the other side and be like, okay, guys, like Mm -hmm. we, we really need to go at this. We Mm -hmm. really need to get serious about this stuff. Right. Absolutely. Right. And Jim, yeah. do you think that, you know, sharing your struggle um, and and struggling through that and being transparent, I, I don't know if you were transparent, but it, sharing your struggle, do you think that helped you? Do you so think I think that, it helped me. Yeah. yeah. Nice. Yeah. Nice. Well, you know, because it's kind of the way I look at this all is that I know that I have scars from this job. You'd be foolish to think That when you got into the business, you know, I'm a veteran as well. So military Mm -hmm. service. And I think all combined, it's 20 something years of being in service to somebody Mm -hmm. doing the thing. If I thought that I was going to be able to get through that without being beat up, a little beat up physically, you know, a little beat up mentally, you know, it's foolish. That really should be trained in the academy. Like this is going to beat you up. It's going to beat up your body. And it's mm-hmm. going to beat up your mind. Mm-hmm. And these are the tools. And I think from that standpoint, that's where we're going to push forward into the mental fitness training. But Love it. yes, you know, I think that showing that, yes, I have wounds and those wounds, when you let them heal or work toward it, become scars. And that, in my opinion, that's like currency. Right. Like in our community, you know, in our community, I don't have to, 
what I love about it and these kind of platforms is, you know, in talking with you guys, Ashley has taken the time to insert herself and understand to the best of her ability what we what we're doing. So I can talk to you guys. I I don't have to go into the details. I don't you don't need all the bang bang. You know what it is. You already know what it is, right? You've been dealing with guys in the same profession for for a long time. So to me, to offer that to other people, you know, to be able to set with somebody, I don't need all the details. Right. Just right. You know, I heard it on a whole other, not related to this, this topic podcast. Actually, it was a show with Shia LaBeouf was on mm. talking about what he had been through and stuff like that. But he mentioned what it really is, is just the ministry of presence. Mm-hmm. It's just being present, just yeah. being with somebody, Absolutely. you know, and that's, yep. and I do <laughs> think, yes, I think it helps people to have someone who's been at it a long time to mm-hmm. be able to. To be able to say, yes, this, this really messed me up. Right. Right. And, you know, I think that there are times when, well, I mean, as a therapist, I I kind of believe that everybody needs someone to hold space for their pain and Mm -hmm. the experiences that they've had. And, you know, it's funny mid story. um, One of my clients, paramedic firefighter mid story, he said, it's okay that I tell you this stuff, right? Cause I mean, it was, go- he was not sparing any detail. <laughs> and I was like, absolutely, absolutely. This is where you get to offload that because mm-hmm. who else can handle hearing the goriness of some of these calls? You know, there right. isn't anybody. And so I think that, you know, it's, that's this sharing of the burden. When I tell you about it now that the, the heaviness of it is cut in half. Right. And you're helping me carry this. You know, I've had calls where I come back into the office, into our, our headquarters, and I grab a therapist and I'm like, can I vent? <laughs> can, I, can I just sit you down and right. vent? Because I can't tell anybody about this call that I just had because um, c- no one's allowed to know. This is completely confidential. It's private. Right. But I need to offload this. Like I can't, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and that ministry of presence, you're right, allows that, that, that space to hold the pain, to, to say, right. it's okay, you can lay this down here, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, some advice I give our guys, too, is what I do is I journal, I write mm-hmm. stuff down. I love it. You know, That's so I, good. I write calls, like I'll write the narrative Mm -hmm. when we're charting tells the story, but I'll oftentimes write that down again. And that's just, just processing for me, but I was guilty. Yep. I was guilty early on of not wanting to lay that on people, you know, people, cause in my mind, I'm like, well, you know, I have one particular call that I've blogged and written. So I'll, I'll share it with you. We had, I was, pretty new still as a paramedic i think maybe you're six or seven or something like that and it was a call for a youngish like young adult male suicidal and so we respond just up around the corner from our base and as we're pulling on there's a young police officer and he's waving me in and it didn't appear frantic to me but as it turns out it was but but in my mind, I'm like, okay, so if dude's waving me in, either this guy's going to be good to go and we're just going to transport, or he already has done what he intended to do. Mm-hmm. So as I come around the corner of this building and I got my, my jump bag and all my stuff, I actually had eye contact with the dude while he put the pistol to his temple and blasted himself. Uh. But for years, I just wouldn't tell anybody. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, and I can remember our mm-hmm. pastor, you know, <clears throat> I was kind of hinting at it had been, it was a bad call and this or that. And he said, well, let's talk about it. And, and my, I was like, I don't want to put that on you. Mm -hmm. It wasn't that I didn't want to, I wanted to share it, but I was looking for who I thought, you know what I mean? Was qualified to hear it. Right. 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 And that wouldn't be traumatized by you sharing. Yeah. Right. If I tell this now, now I put that burden on them. I believe I told Ashley the same thing. I don't, I didn't want to, I don't want to put this on your heart. Yeah. Now then you yeah. have this memory, you know? Then, yes. Y- y- correct. Yeah. And there are some things that it makes it really difficult to share with your loved one, let's say, but 
isn't that what also separates you from them? Like they don't know, you know, I always think about this. I think about the, remember the last scene in Saving Private Ryan Mm -hmm. where he turns to his wife and he says something along the lines of, have I done a good job or something like that? And you can just see the heaviness and the weight of that question. Mm -hmm. And her response was sort of like, of course, why would you even ask such a thing? But, and I was like, oh my gosh, she missed an opportunity, number one, for this connection, <laughs> right? Yes. But, but number two, he felt so alone mm-hmm. because nobody else knew all of the pieces, all of the things that he dealt with, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so when we don't share the things that we're exposed to, it keeps us separated. But what you've been able to do is, journal it out, process it. And maybe you're able to pull out of there some gems that you can share with someone that won't traumatize them. You know, and I mean, when I would say someone, someone that you want to have in your life, a loved one, someone you're close, you you know, your wife, your best friend, you know, whatever, um, that, that can connect you. Mm -hmm. Yes. And, And those are things that I've learned, you know, throughout my career. And I honestly believe that's the wisdom that I've picked up that is, you know, was why I'm still here. Yeah. Right. You know, wow. just years of, of, of just learning. There's a, there's a meme that I will share from time to time that says, beware the old man in a job that typically kills dudes young, but that's what it speaks to. It's speaking of old warriors are still warriors because of wisdom, right? Because they, they knew the steps and they knew the, Mm-hmm. knew the things so right right but you gotta you gotta stay <laughs> on top of your own mental oh, yeah. fitness you know i keep thinking about um um i think he was a priest Henri Nguyen, and he wrote the book the wounded healer and i absolutely love that um and how he talks about his own dark night of his soul and how he needed healing he needed help here. Now here is this healer that needs healing. Mm-hmm. And I think that's beautiful because we're not superhuman. Yeah. We're human and we need healing too. So, and I think to be honest, the wounded healers among us are the greatest healers because we've right. been there. We're, we're coming up through hell, carrying buckets of water for you. You know, mm-hmm. we've been there. We know what that's like. Right. Yeah, it's and what's what I think is cool, and I try to impart this on on the young guys coming up and gals. So we do obviously in in the EMS side, we we transport a lot of like psych emergencies. Sure. And our in the Flint area where I work, they have they now have social workers trained for the emergency situation that scenario. Social workers that ride with the deputies. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So it's not always this, you know, law enforcement fiasco. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's fantastic. There's different counties, different agencies that are are employing that. And I think it's wonderful. Yeah. It's, but any, in any case or anyhow, rather it's having, you know, when you process stuff and you've gone through things and you've had burnout, it's quite a bit easier to have compassion for people who are having a mental health thing, you know, to be able to say, yeah, dude, I, I understand. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I've been there too. Right. You know, and then their whole demeanor changes from a combative posture, you know, to more yeah. of a, Oh, okay. So right. these guys do they are really here. They really do want to help, but eh, it's, it's such a huge process though. Right. Oh yeah. Yeah. yeah no. Um, so yeah, probably 2019 or so, um, my husband went through some significant health stuff, um, anxiety, depression, things. We talked about it on the show. Um, my perception of just people and how to deal with things before and after that, like right to that point is extremely different. Um, I have a lot more grace and patience with people. Um, us going through that as, as, as a marriage, as a family, Mm -hmm. as a couple, um, to hear so many other people be like, Oh yeah, I went through that too. Oh yeah. My, you know, my wife or my husband, blah, blah, blah. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, what the heck? Like nobody, like 
I would have had no idea wow, that right. half the people that had struggled with any of this stuff. We, I mean, one of our dear friends who's um, just running a business, like mm-hmm. would never know, but he would never want anybody to know because of clientele mm-hmm. and this, whatever. So yeah. he's just very private with like how he's gone through with his circle and how mm-hmm. that's all worked out and stuff. And it's a secret society for sure. It's kind yeah. of, but then on the other hand, it was kind of frustrating because it's like, right. okay, right. so g- give me, give me the quick fix. Like what are we supposed to do to get through all this? Right. <laughs> so there's just a lot of right. my right. growth and arrogance and just mm-hmm. like the things that I've had to learn and get through and process through and that we're still learning. Um, because taking care of ourselves and taking care of each other is not an overnight, like you don't live one way your entire life and then overnight be like, Hey, I solved all my problems. And exactly. now I have no stress. I have no anxiety and nothing bothers me anymore. Like that's not the goal. Um, and coming like being able to come to peace with that too mm-hmm. is re- like, I'm going to do the best I can to take care of me mm-hmm. and the people I care about, mm-hmm. but also like right back to the mental fitness. What can I do if I'm sleeping while well, taking care of my system and my body and my home, and my relationships well enough so that when life happens, so mm-hmm. that when mm-hmm. somebody needs something, I can be in the best place right. possible to have capacity Right, right, right. To help myself do the right thing and have self-awareness for myself, but also be there for my family member, my friend, right, you know, right. whatever that looks like. Right. Because we can't pour from an empty cup, you know, oh. we have to make sure that we have our our needs taken care of, you know. Yes. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it's, yeah, it's been, it's been a lot to, I don't know. It's funny to, to think like I, I know so much more now at this this place right. and, and yet we're still I feel like in some ways just kind of scratching the surface on like so much more. Oh yeah. You know and there's so you know and, and there's so many approaches and there's so much noise around uh anxiety and depression and I think it gets very convoluted. Like I love social media for being able to access all of this information and these resources, but not all of it is accurate or, or truth and not all of it applies to everybody. It's not a one size fits all approach, you know? And so this is where I think you, you can never replace professional help. Because a professional will help determine for you what's going to work, work best for you, you know? Yeah. Yeah. It's just, and so because I asked when you had done the, the, the takeover on Overwatch's Instagram, (laughs) I I asked you the question, um, is trauma or PTSD, post-traumatic stress disorder, is that, Mm -hmm like a gross word now have we is it overused because mm-hmm. sometimes it concerns me mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. that now everybody yeah two like okay so mm-hmm. two-part question or statement however you look at it mm-hmm. like i the the idea that a well-meaning society and a well-meaning social media mm-hmm. has it planted in all of our minds that we're all going to which is clinically true. We'll all have post-traumatic stress at some point, you know, responding to calls and stuff like that. And then, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. but the idea that everybody has it. So now like what my experience is, Mm -hmm. is we have young people that have only been on the road for six months and they're ready to hang it up. They, they're ready to give up. And I'm like, I mean, like, come on. And on the other side in the veteran community, one of my biggest concerns is with, with, you know, the 22 a day number and how well that was marketed, you know, this is, I probably just splitting hairs here or whatever, but it bothers me a little bit because it seems like sometimes the idea is, you know, when you transition out, it's not much of a transition. It's like, see you later. Bye-bye. Good luck with your life. Chances are you'll kill yourself. Deuces. Jeez. Right. You know, and so, my question for you after all that is like, where are we 
in a society and a culture when it's such a popular word to say, mm. you know, my trauma, your mm. trauma, I have mm. this disorder. Mm. You know, everybody likes to say it differently. I like to mm-hmm. say post-traumatic injury, mm-hmm. you know? Mm. Yeah. I, I agree with you that I think that <clears throat> the terminology has been very watered down and it feels very dismissive like I always say, you know, we can't compare traumas. Like right. even me, like I had a really hard time accepting the diagnosis of PTSD. Yes, I have it, had it. I had a really hard time accepting it because I was like, well, I've never been to war. I've never been on the battlefield. Well, I didn't pick brain matter off of a wall. Like how mm-hmm. is it that I have PTSD? It doesn't make any sense to me. Like right. they deserve to have it. I don't, you know? Yeah. Um, right. Yeah. And so yeah. there's that element, but then here's this other element of um, everything now is a trauma. No, oh, everything's not a trauma. No, you know, like yeah. we have a pretty clear definition of what a trauma is, and that's a life-threatening situation, life-threatening or life-altering situation. That's trauma. Mm-hmm. So, you know, the fact that you're you got an F in economics is not a trauma, you know. <laughs> um, <laughs> you know, and and I hate to, you know, if I go back to perception is reality. So if someone is perceiving that as a life altering event, then I can't take that away from them. You know, I, I want to validate people's experiences. I think that's really important. However, I do believe that this, the, the terminology is getting very watered down and the pendulum has swung. So it used to be you know, in the seventies, like very few people had PTSD. No one was talking about it. It was kind of a brand new term. What does it mean? Who has it? It was only combat veterans. Like we didn't even identify, uh, post-traumatic stress as being a thing for anybody other than combat veterans. Right. And then the more research that we did and the more information we got and the more data we had, we realized, oh, wow, you could be in a car accident and have PTSD. You know, it doesn't have Mm -hmm. to be only on the battlefield. Um, and now it's sort of way over here where everybody and their brother has it, you know, and, um, you know, almost making that like what a presumptive, so this presumptive injury idea, right. Presumptive Mm -hmm. injury is, um, well, if you're a firefighter, paramedic, uh, cop, any first responder of any kind, the presumptive injury is PTSD. And I don't, I don't really understand all of the legality of that. I think what that means is, yeah, we assume you're going to get it, or we assume that this is like a, a an occupational risk. Um, so I, I don't know. Overused, maybe. Um, yeah, watered down, probably. Prevalent, though, yes. Yeah. Yes. And I think it's important that we talk about it. And Right. You know, I've sh- I shared this on the Overwatch Collective um, podcast that I did several months ago, but I- I'm not afraid of the word disorder because I think that gives a really good picture of what's happening. Mm. You know, so if you had, um, you know, an eating disorder or disordered eating, that's something that's out of the norm, something that mm-hmm. is not sustainable. So any disorder is is likely life altering. There's something right. going on that's creating this out of order, disorder in your life. And so post-traumatic stress, yes, everybody has post-traumatic stress following a traumatic event, period, amen. Everybody has it. Now, everyone processes it differently. Some people will get over it in an hour, some in a a day, some in two weeks. Um, You know, we expect, we want it to settle down and not be um traumatic anymore we we don't want to see any post-traumatic stress symptoms in 30 days so we want to see those go away because right. now this is the conversion this is what happens your bot you your brain your body your mental capacity has to avoid the thing that that caused the trauma yes. yeah that's the number one symptom of post-traumatic stress disorder so 
What that means is now you're avoiding any conversation about it, any reminders of it, any um, anniversaries, any visual reminders, like, you know, any smells, anything that will remind you of that event or that thing that you can't, that you're needing to avoid. And these avoidance tactics can get real fancy too. Avoidance also can look like, you know, doom scrolling for hours and hours and hours. It could look like video gaming for hours and hours and hours. It could look like, you know, 40 hours of overtime every week. It can look like right, all of it can look like alcohol abuse. It can look like, you know, um, risky behaviors and, and all of these. I look at those things and I go, oh, what happened to them? Something bad happened to them that they're running from. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know? This is and and those behaviors are just a symptom of a bigger problem, right? Um, you know, and so you know the other thing that goes along with this picture, if post traumatic stress doesn't get cleared up, um, is also the uh, re experiencing or reliving of the event where you can recall it and your body thinks you're there again. Yeah, like you remember everything so vividly, mm-hmm. like, right? And, yeah. and your body is literally re-experiencing it to where, you know, I've had, when I've worked with people that have very old trauma, I had a, a cop that come, came into me at 20 something years on and look like heck. And I said, I, and my first question is, where's the trauma? And he's like, it was this 15 years ago, this gnarly homicide with this little girl. And I can't, I can't go to that part of town. I can't think about it every year of the anniversary. It comes up, blah, blah, blah. And I knew that's what it was. His body physically is re-experiencing it every time he's remembering it, right? So I have to, in that moment, remind him what day it is, what year it is, how old he is. And that sort of snaps the mind out of that narrative from the past. And it snaps the body back into the present moment because the body thinks you're back there. The, your mm-hmm. body doesn't know the difference between past and present. doesn't know the difference between real or imagined. <laughs> Only your mind does. Right. It's a trip. Right. Right. <laughs> so and, wild, and so then man. the other part. So here's the other part of the, the disorder piece is the hypervigilance. Your nervous system stays stuck on on yeah. You're in the red mm-hmm. zone all the time. Because, And if you think about it, what a beautiful thing that our nervous system is trying to protect us, right? Yes. Yes. But I don't need you to protect me in Sam's Club in Walmart when I hear the little, the, the radio cue up. I'm not in any danger. But my nervous mm-hmm. system was prone to hearing that. It hears, a, right? And my body goes, oh, because I think I'm supposed to prepare for some sort of fight or flight. Yes. Right. But so those, those major <laughs> yeah. three pieces on top of now you've got mood symptoms that are going to come with it. Now I'm anxious every time I think about having to drive to that part of town or see that anniversary date or go to this memorial or whatever. Right. I, I, I'm sad about it. Um, um, I'm it's exhausting. Ex- it's exhausting. It's exhausting. <laughs> it's exhausting because also what's happening is it's almost like 50 tabs are open in your brain. Yeah. And there, there goes the limiting of the capacity. Your brain mm-hmm. is so busy spinning all these plates, keeping all these tabs open just to keep you safe just to keep you functional and operational. So you got to avoid all this yep. stuff. Now your, your nervous system is stuck on, on, you know? Yeah. It's, and, and so that to me, that's the picture of post-traumatic stress disorder. Yeah. It's a post-traumatic stress injury. Do you know, if you look at the brain of someone who has PTSD under a scan, you can see it. You yeah. can see PTSD. Yes, it's physical. Yes. It's it's absolutely physical. Yeah. The brain is lit up like a fire truck. Like it yeah. is red all over because the brain is on fire. It's constantly alert. And right, can you imagine the breakdown of the body? It's exhausting. No wonder people can't sleep and have all these other things going on. Right. Yeah. No, that's right. And, right? extremely wonderful picture and explanation of what all that looks like. That's wonderful. Good, good. Mm-hmm. I, I try to make it simple to understand because these are, these are big things. These are big right. issues and they're complex. And so I think the more we educate and bring awareness to 
these bigger con complex concepts, the better off we're going to be. Right. Absolutely. Well, and I've had family members be like, you know, what's wrong with me? I'm so crazy. Like what, you know, and it's like number one question. That is the number one question. What's wrong with me? Every single first responder I have ever interacted with, they ask that question. What's wrong with me? And the first, the first thing I tell them is nothing. Absolutely. Nothing is wrong with you, but I'll tell you what's wrong. What's wrong is no one warned you that you were human and you were going to have these emotions and you were going to feel some sort of kind of way. And you were going to respond. No one taught you. Yeah. So you don't, you have this machine and you don't even know how it works. No one taught you. Right. 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 And that's the thing. Like you go through these programs, you go through fire Academy and I went through the paramedic program and it was war stories and all this stuff. But and so when you're just coming into it, it seems so cool. Right. You know, you watch yeah. all the movies and it seems so cool. Right. You know, and then it really starts to happen to you. And like right. you said, you weren't, no one said, like I said earlier, no one told you this is going right. to beat you up. Right. And no one taught you the tools to get right. through it. No one taught you what it's going to look like, feel like what's going to happen as a result of this. And you weren't given the tools on how to manage it. Right. Absolutely. And that's where we come in. Exactly. Exactly. So, yeah. Very cool. Yeah. Yeah. Outstanding. I love it. (laughs) (laughs) So I think we solved everything right here tonight. (laughs) You can all retire. Uh, no, like, I know one thing that, you know, that I've been trying to, you know, obviously it's, it's not a job that you're going to get rich or famous, but I like to impart this, you know, for our listeners working a hundred hours a week is, is not the answer. Yeah. Right. You know, and I promise you that's better not budget. That's day. the answer. Working a hundred hours a week. Is, is right. Right. Absolutely. At the, on your deathbed, you are not going to say, Oh God, I'm so glad I worked all that overtime. Right. I promise you're not going to say that. Right. And you're that was a thing. Wish, right. I wish I spent know, more time with my friends tales. and family. Yeah, yeah. Right. exactly. Yeah. And that yeah. was me. It yeah. was so exciting. Yeah. And we were on, we did three 24 shifts a week and I would work the days in between and making all kinds of stacks. Right, and, right. But then once I started, you know, things changed. And now it's, it has to be a very specific, perfect scenario to work an extra shift. Mm, if it right. doesn't line up perfect, <laughs> then it's just not going to happen. I'm going to do the four 12-hour shifts. Right. You got to protect your mental health. You got to protect yeah. the quality of your life. You know, I had to learn boundaries too. I stopped taking overnight call um, because I had to dial in my sleep. And right. for me to dial in my sleep, I had to turn off my phone at 10 o'clock at night. Right. So unfortunately, I'm just not available for overnight call anymore. And if I take one for for whatever reason, <clears throat> I'm broken for the next two weeks. My sleep yeah. is disturbed badly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like it's really hard to get, and I worked really yep. hard to get this dialed in. Yeah, you know? yeah. I don't want to give that up. And yeah, some of my coworkers are like, "Oh, nice, you're leaving so soon." You know, you only see how many clients today. I'm like, "All right, you know, don't diss on me that I'm protecting my, you know, my right. calendar, my mental health. I can't see more than four clients a day because, frankly, it's too much for me. And yep. more power to you if you can see eight or nine. I cannot." And right. nor do I want to, and it just doesn't work for me anymore. And right. 10 years ago, yeah, I could, I could do that. I'm telling you, it's not sustainable for 10 years. That's for sure. Right. And what's <laughs> cool is our company, we, we work kind of the model is that each crew, you know, I work, my partner, and I go from 7.30 AM to 7.30 PM, but there's enough mm-hmm. of us, enough rigs on the road that everyone's doing like three to five calls. Nice. And the ops manager, his reasoning is because once you get past five, then your quality of care goes down. You're not providing the same quality of care. And then seven and eight, it's just, mm. you know, you're you're tiptoeing on into just right. hot ass mess, if wow. I'm honest. Wow. From experience. <laughs> Those and, last and couple can't... of calls are just like, yeah. And I can't tell you the number of calls that are running, you know, in, in some of these Southern California neighborhoods, like 
brutal, 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 brutal. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And that's our system too. Like the special forces, mm-hmm. the military special forces send their guys can go to, for their trauma, their like street trauma kind of training. Mm-hmm. The special, the spec ops docs come to Flint, Michigan mm-hmm. and like, and they go to New Jersey. Mm-hmm. They find two of the, the, the gnarliest cities in America <laughs> And that's where those guys come. So that's what, you know, that's kind of been my career, you know, just violence and poverty. Yeah. Yeah. The water thing was. Right. Is that resolved? I, I, I haven't gotten all the way through town. Where's the water issue? The water issue is this point that was, you know, that was in 16. So it's largely it's resolved. It's not, not every neighborhood, Mm. but for the most part, yes. But it was, you know, politics. But mm-hmm. yeah, that's mm-hmm. interesting mm-hmm. documentary, isn't it? <laughs> it's really, yeah, it is. It is, yeah. And I think the hardest. I mean, it's all hard. In, in you know, my heart is with the first responders, so you know, that's it's tough to watch. Um, but also, my heart goes out to that community. You know, really struggling and mm-hmm. and seeing so much poverty. And, right. and that's that's the the problem with public safety in impoverished areas is where does the money come to pay for these public safety resources? Right? right? Who's going to pay for that? Right. And so I, I'm glad you said that because I was going to ask mm-hmm. you: Do you think, mm-hmm. like, in, in your opinion, does that add to? Does that is that a like a is are we at a disadvantage as responders in an area like this, or does it? does it add to the layers of, of like post-traumatic stress and stuff like that, that we're working in a community that's so poor mm-hmm. and still oh. so violent. And- <clears throat> Absolutely. Yeah. Because your trauma exposure is incredibly high and the trauma exposure has multiple layers. And so you're not just running a medical aid. Now you're, you're having to, you know, run this medical aid and you're looking around at, at children that look hungry Mm-hmm. You know, or that there's no heat or no running water or, you know, no mm-hmm. basic needs are being met here. So now that's an extra layer of, of trauma exposure. Right. And right. likely you're not working with the top of the line equipment either. You know, there's not enough resources to give you the best of the best. Um, mm-hmm. You know, fortunately, we're good that way. But, good, but good. still, because you guys are like, private. Is that what I understand? Most yeah, of we are. Most agencies are the two biggest in our area are we're both nonprofits. Oh, wow. so that that's beneficial that yeah. it, as far as like the tax piece. Yeah. But then there's right. other agencies that are small for profit mm-hmm. companies. They, mm-hmm. It's like from back in the day, they started out of funeral homes and, and that was mm-hmm. how things were ran. And it's mm-hmm. just mm-hmm. just kind of how it's always been. So, mm-hmm. yes, my agency and the other bigger one in the community are mm-hmm. um, nonprofits. And so, so then you still have the fire department and the police department and those are that, that money comes from taxes, right? Those are government entities. Yeah. But like Flint fire, those guys, they have a friend of mine works at one of the downtown neighborhoods, obviously downtown stations, but Mm -hmm. they have to go pull their truck a couple of times a day to refill it because it's leaking. Mm -hmm. So, Mm -hmm. you know, and it's just, and they're going from, from fire to fire to fire. Like it's mm-hmm. not, we will go on a call with them to cover them. That's what our mm-hmm. capacity is. If it's not an entrapment, mm-hmm. you know, we're with someone in the home, but if it's just a structure fire or a vacant home on fire, we'll go and stand by while they do their thing. Mm-hmm. And then if another fire goes out, they'll pull resources and split and the, you know, they'll go to that other fire, but it's, it. you know, I love my city. I love working in it. But it's been, it's, it's rough. It's not easy. Right. Yeah. So absolutely. Your trauma exposure is higher and all those pieces contribute. Mm. This is why you got to limit the trauma exposure as much as possible. Right. I tell people, you know, control what you can turn off the news, stop reading obituaries, stop, you know, delving into all this other bad news because it only contributes to your trauma exposure. Control what you can focus on what you can control. And, you know, even though I'm so entertained by Twitter, 
<laughs> especially the new Twitter. <laughs> well, if you're enjoying it, I, I guess don't that'd be different. I don't yeah. participate, you understand, but. Got it. Yeah, if you're enjoying it, then yeah, <laughs> but, more power yeah. to you. Anyways. No judgment. <laughs> well, thank you so much. Thank you so much for coming on. And this will be, oh, you know, I'm going to share this to my bosses because they're, they're really working hard at, mm. at, at the mental health piece in our agency, you know, so they're going to yeah. be excited to, to hear your, your pointers and what you had to say. Oh, good, so. good. And I mean, anything I can do to help, I can point you to some model policies. There's a lot of great agencies that have fantastic wellness programs um, you know, I created a wellness program for our county. Um, so there's there's model models that you can look to and decide, mm-hmm. like, will this work for us? Is do I like mm-hmm. this piece? Do I like that piece? You know? That's good. Right on. Yeah. So yeah. Good. What a pleasure to meet you both. Oh, Absolutely. Thank you so much. You are a joy. And Aww. you're just you're so warm. Oh, thank you. So it's just it's just wonderful. So so for our listeners, you guys know we lost Jen Bennett this weekend. Um, she had served 15 years in our EMS family, working at Swartz Ambulances along with a couple other agencies. She was a wonderful mom, wonderful provider, and she will be missed. So we dedicate this episode to her. All right. Thank you for sharing. With, that. absolutely. <laughs>